The following sermon audio is from The Source Church in Plainfield, Illinois. More information about The Source Church can be found at www.thesourcechurch.life. Hi, everyone. Um, I will not be preaching this morning. Actually, um, I don't think this happens much, but... <laughs> nice. You, you actually have the pleasure of um, hearing from my best friend. I don't, I don't know how much that happens. Uh, <laughs> um, wow, this is like stand-up comedy night or, or roasting night. I don't know. Um, well, Craig Cody is lead pastor at Christ Community Church in Urbana, Illinois. It's an Acts 29 church. They've got, what, 300 people-ish? Um, and he's here, uh, I'm actually going to be preaching at his church in May, and the reason why we're doing this is just so our churches can gain a, a little bit of familiarity with each other. Um, you know, he's got tons of people who come through U of I and are, and are at his church for a while, and so, you know, we're just praying and seeing if, if maybe at some point in the future God might coordinate our efforts um, along church planting, so we're People could be sent back up here, or we could somehow be invested in something that they're doing. Uh, so just leaving that door open. So I'm excited for you to hear from Craig today, to hear his heart, and um, just to look uh, closer at the servant songs. So first I'll invite Alma up for the scripture reading. Good morning. So this morning we are going to be reading from Isaiah 40 verses 1 through 7, so if I could get you to stand. Again, Isaiah 40. I'm sorry? Isaiah 49. Oh, I didn't practice that one. Sorry, guys. Okay, Isaiah, oh, it is Isaiah 49. Sorry, guys. All right, um, so listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like the sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. You surely, my right is with the Lord and my re recompense with my God. And now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my, sa my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers. Kings shall see and rise, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves. Because the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, 
who has chosen you. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, I'm good. Good morning, everybody. Like Scott said, my name is Craig. I'm, it's a privilege to be here. I, uh, I've been tracking with your church for a while, but always from afar. Um, I knew Robert, the, the former pastor here, not super well, but um, we interacted a number of times. We're also uh, Christ Community, the church that I come from in Champaign-Urbana. Um, we're also an Acts 29 church, and we, we definitely bring our greetings. It's sweet to be um, connected with you all because we are connected, um, not only logistically through things like this, but obviously through the blood of Jesus Christ that binds us all together. And so that's a very real bond, and one that, like Scotty was saying, I call him Scotty. That's kind of how it works around here. Um, one, it's a bond that we really want to try to grow and see what the Lord might have in mind for us. So um, let me tell you about my friend Scott, okay? I wanted to, I wanted to seize this opportunity while I've got y'all on a captive audience. Do you guys care if I do that? Is that going to screw everything up if I hang it over the edge there? Okay. Because I want to make sure I see all my notes when I'm talking about Scott here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see, where are we? Well, well, the truth is, Skyrie mentioned it. We really are truly are best friends. We've known each other for a long time. We met um, our freshman year at the University of Illinois. We were very different guys, both of us at the time. Um, you know, uh, one thing, before I get any further, I, I did want to mention that, like, when I, what I did know about Robert specifically was that he loved the gospel. And, like, he kind of it, it, it exuded out of him, and I'm sure that's part of the legacy that he left here. Um, and what I know about Scott is a whole lot more. Um, Scott, uh, when I met him, like I mentioned, he was a different kind of guy. Um, but God transformed both of our lives when we were in college. Um, not identical times, I don't think, but it was a similar timeline, different, different paths. Um, what I wanted you guys to know about Scott is that you have a man of God leading this church right now. I'm no, you know, some people, you kind of know them on a peripheral kind of level. You kinda ha- you're acquainted with them. You, you get to have little interactions with them. I really do know Scott really well. We've been through a lot together, highs and lows. And he is a man of integrity, of wisdom, of love. Um, and God's word tells us to show honor to whom honor is due. And Scott is a man worthy of honor. So I just wanted to say that in front of you all um, that I love him, I respect him, and uh, he is worthy of honor. Um, one of the things that I appreciate most about Scott is he does desire to lead this church well. Um, he does desire to bring glory and honor to Jesus, and in doing that, he's never, and as, I've, as long as I've known him, he's never really desired the praise for himself. He's always wanted to point people to Jesus. It's one of my favorite things about him, and I hope that you guys can appreciate that about him too, because there's a lot of pastors out there who want to try to draw attention to themselves, but Scott is one of the rare ones who wants to point everyone to Jesus. So, um, I also wanted to share with you one of the many stories that I have tucked away about Scott. Lots of special stories. And I thought about, do I want to embarrass him in these moments, or do I want to? And so I thought, you know what? March Madness, sports. What's a sports-themed story that I can tell you? Let me tell you about our intramural soccer team. And this is not embarrassing. This is a moment of glory, okay? So our soccer team was in the playoffs, Um, I don't remember how far we got. I don't think we got very far. But um, we were down one zip, okay? It was coming down to the end of the game, and uh, we needed a goal. And Scott, uh, I don't know if you guys knew that Scott was a plus athlete, but he is. Um, I'm kind of joking about that. (laughs) 
But in this moment, just listen to what happens. The ball, he was at midfield. Now, from the midfield to the goal, think about how far away we are. 40 yards, 50, it wasn't a full, full-size soccer field, so a long way. The ball comes rolling towards Scott, and he winds up with his gigantic muscular leg, and he kicks it, and it goes flying into the air. And everybody's watching this ball sail towards the goal. You guys know where this is going. And the goalie's watching this ball come towards him, and the goalie, you know, swipes at it and misses, and the ball goes into the goal. Yes, that's your pastor. That's your pastor. Yep, we went to overtime. We uh, had a shootout, and we won. We won the game. Man. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, man. In all seriousness, I'm super grateful for you, Scott. I'm thankful for the opportunity. He's my brother and my my dear friend. So um, I hope that you will love him as he continues to love you, and I know that that's the case. Let me pray for us as we dive in. If you'll indulge me, I don't know if you guys typically do that, but I'm going to do that right now. Lord, thank you for this precious church, my brothers and sisters. Thank you for the bond that we share. It's sweet to be together. This is a gift of grace. Right now, we especially thank you for your word. You said that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so this morning, we all are hungry and we're thirsty. We need true food and we need true drink from your word. Um, Our souls thirst. Come and satisfy us. Satisfy us with your good so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Lord Jesus, you are the uh, living water. You are the bread of life. Come and feed our souls. Satisfy us. And open our eyes. Um, Get our eyes up to the wider horizon of your works in this world. Um, Your plans for us. Give us a glimpse of your glory. Lord, we pray above all things that, Lord Jesus, you would be on glorious display we would um, taste and see again this morning that you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. So when Scott and I met at the University of Illinois, this whole thing won't be biographical, by the way. This is just kicking it off. Um, When Scott and I met, uh, we had a plan. I had a plan. Scott had a plan. And that plan was for I was going to become the governor of the state of Illinois, which means that I would be in jail right now if that plan came to fruition. Praise the Lord. Um, I was going to be governor, and Scott was going to be my chief of staff. We used to actively talk about these things, and it was, it was going to be a beautiful partnership. Um, God, like I mentioned earlier, he mercifully intervened in my life. Um, he opened my heart to understand the gospel, that Jesus Christ died to save sinners like me. Um, and he also opened my eyes around that same time to what his plans were for, that go- for the gospel, um, God's heart, you could say, or even his passion. And that was that the gospel would go global, that the message of salvation in the name of Jesus would go to all nations. So here's where, here's where we're going this morning. Um, kind of the catch for you guys as you sit there in the, in, the, in the seats or in the pews is that mission of taking the gospel global is something that he's entrusted to us, his people. We have a mandate from God to carry the gospel to all nations, starting here in Plainfield and stretching to the ends of the earth. That's what we're going to talk about today. That's what we're going to see in Isaiah 49. Now, when I talk about that, I understand that some of you guys hear, like, you, you think about missions or you think about the gospel going global, and you're like, yeah, secret church, yes, I'm all on board with that, right? Um, and some of you, 
even have experience in missions where you've gone overseas or you've gone cross-cultural or maybe even domestically you've been involved in this and it's a very exciting thing. But for some of you, that feels distant, impossible, unrealistic. You're just trying to get your kids out the door to go to school or you're trying to make ends meet financially or you're just trying to get to work, uh, let alone thinking about some far-flung tribe in uh, Central America or Africa or wherever. Um, here's what I want us to do this morning. I think that this is what Isaiah 49 does for us. Um, if you can just picture this room cleared out of pews, and it's a dance floor, okay? I don't know what you guys' church's position on dancing is, but that's what we're going to work with. Um, this is, it's a dance floor. And if you're dancing on the dance floor, you're counting your steps, right? You're going one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, or whatever it is. Um, and you're really focused on yourself and what you're doing to try to stay in touch. And every other couple on the floor is doing the same thing. But sometimes you, you need to climb the staircase and get up there where the tech guys are. And you need to look down on the floor and see the bigger picture of what's going on. Okay? We're going to call that the balcony. You've got to get up on the balcony. And this morning we're going to get up on the balcony, a little bit outside of your life, so to speak, and the different things, the pressures that you carry. We're going to get up on the balcony and try to reframe the picture um, of what God has for you in your life. Um, it doesn't change anything necessarily fundamentally. We're just going to get a different perspective from God's word. In other words, this is not meant to be a guilt trip. What I hope that this message does is we talk about missions and engaging the world with the gospel, which is explicitly what this passage is about. Um, it's meant to energize you. Sometimes you've got to pull back. You've got to get perspective. You've got to get on the balcony and look at the bigger picture of everything that's going on. And uh, I've been praying that that's exactly what the Lord would do. So this morning, I don't have slides. I apologize for that. Um, that we are going to work with like a very simple outline. Um, here's, here's what I want us to see this morning. Three things. God's plan is for his glorious gospel to go global. That's number one. Number two, God's plan for his glorious gospel. I'm sorry. God's plan is for his glorious gospel to come to you. And then third, God's plan is for his glorious gospel to shine through you. So it's to go global, to come to you, to shine through you. That's it. That's what we're going to see today. Isaiah 49. And if you really want to just kind of summarize the whole thing in one sentence, something you want to hang on to, it's this. Each of us plays a part in bringing salvation to the ends of the earth. Each of us plays a part in bringing salvation to the ends of the earth. That should make you, whoa, that's a big deal. It is. First one, God's plan is for his glorious gospel to go global. If your Bible is not open, please do open it. Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 7. That's what our text is for today. Um, just look again with me real quick. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1 says this. Listen to me. Stop. That's for you and me. That's for us. Listen. It's probably worth noting. We need to listen up. This is another one of the four servant psalms, uh, songs, sorry, um, songs about this mysterious servant alluded to in Isaiah. Spoiler alert, it's Jesus, right? Okay. The servant is speaking in chapter 49, and he tells us several different things. I'm just going to kind of list them off. So this is a summary of really verses 1 through 3. He's born of a woman. He's, he's from the womb, right? He's human. He's called by God for a specific task. He's been given weapons, sword from the mouth, this polished arrow. Those are weapons for any occasion, 
But it's not a weapon of war, like a physical fist fight type war. It's a weapon of the mouth, a prophetic task, prophecy. He's hidden in the quiver of God, and he's a servant of God. And, and then the last thing, which is, I think, verse 3. Let me just double check that. Yep, verse 3. He's Israel. Okay. So, if you were listening really carefully to me, I, I said earlier on uh, that the servant is, who is it? Jesus. That's right. But this, in verse 3, just said he is Israel. Yo, Craig, what's up with that? What are you doing? Uh, let's think about this, this Israel for a second, okay? The name Israel. Where did the name come from? Where did it begin? It didn't start with a nation state in the Middle East. It started with a man. It started with a guy named Jacob, right? And that guy um, wrestled with God, and God renamed him Israel, which means he strives with God. We, I would love to be able to talk to you about that story. We're not going to focus on that this morning. But you could say that Israel, the man carried the blessings of God to God's people, Israel. So Israel became Israel. The one Israel became the many Israel. And the man Israel became a nation known by the name Israel. Now here's the problem that we encounter with Israel in Isaiah 49. Back in chapter 48, we learn that Israel is a nation. Israel, the people, is unfit. So here's chapter 48. If you want to flip back in your Bible, you can. Chapter 48, verse 1. Just a little taste. Hear this, O house of Jacob. So this is Isaiah 48, verse 1. Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel and who came from the waters of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord and confess the God of Israel. So basically what they're saying is, you are the people who are called by the name of Israel. What does it say? But not in truth or right. They are unfit to declare God's praise. They do not truly abide by God's ways. They are not his true people. So what does that mean? Does that mean that God has failed? That his Israel that was supposed to be a blessing to the nations is now defeated? Is God defeated? No. Here in Isaiah 49, the Isaiah, the, I'm sorry, the, uh, in Isaiah 49, the story of Israel comes full circle. Israel, the nation, failed God. But here, Israel is not a nation. It is a singular man through whom God will be glorified. Look at verse 5. And now the Lord says, so this is, I'm sorry, back in in Isaiah 49, verse 5. And now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and and that Israel might be gathered to him. This Israel of verse 3 is given the task of gathering Israel back to God in verse 5. How does Israel bring back Israel? Well, it's because Israel's a man. It's going to bring these people back to God. Briefly, look at verse 4. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. If this is Jesus talking, this is a little bit strange. Labored in vain. Spent my strength for nothing in vanity. This is a picture of Jesus' humanity. He was tested when he was on earth, brought to the point of wondering if his work had even been in vain. Certainly, he was rejected, despised, ignored, abused, scorned by those that encountered him. He had nowhere to lay his head. That's what the scripture said. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So what did Jesus do? 
Surely my right is with the Lord. That's the second half of verse four. Surely my right is with the Lord. He's entrusting himself and his work to God. He commits his work to God. God will look upon, this is what Jesus is essentially saying. God will look upon what I do and will judge. And God did. God did judge. Jesus' work on earth was vindicated, proven true and right and honoring to God. How? How did Jesus vindicate himself? How was Jesus vindicated by God? God raised him from the dead. His work was not in vain. It was victorious. He defeated death in the grave. It's so tempting for me to want to dive into this point alone. We're not going to do this, but there is so much encouragement for you and in life when you feel like things are in vain or you have no hope or they feel pointless Like every time you try to love that person and you get a hand to the face or a nail to the hand in Jesus' case, the resurrection says that your work, your love, your labor is not in vain. There is still so much hope. I'm just gonna leave it there. We have to keep going because the key, the key turning point in this scripture is verses six and seven. Something big goes down here and we start to see the scope of God's plans. God says to his son Jesus, this in verse six. And just to keep in mind, all we're trying to do right now with this part of the sermon is just set this very important biblical truth up for us to stand on, which is that God's gospel will go global. Okay, verse six. It is too light a thing, I'm reading verse six of chapter 49, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Okay, this is the balcony moment. We're getting up there with the tech guys. Okay, we're all up there. We're looking down on the dance floor, all the nitty-gritty of everything that's happening in life. God's full plan is coming into view. Bringing the nation of Israel back to God, that's too light. That's what it says in verse 6. It's too easy. What is God's plan? Look again, verse 6. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach the end of the earth. Okay, so God's plan here is his glorious gospel to go global, to reach the ends of the earth. And unless you think I'm just pulling this out of this one text, I'm just proof texting this, consider this. We're gonna do this real fast. Genesis 12, three. God said to Abraham, Through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Joshua 4. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. 1 Samuel 17. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. 1 Chronicles Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Tell of his salvation day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. What am I doing right now? I hope this is coming at you like a tidal wave of biblical truth that God will be glorified among the nations. Psalm 67, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Jeremiah 33, and this city shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and a glory before all the nations of the earth. Who shall fear? Ezekiel 36, I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them, and the nations will know 
that I am the Lord when through you I vindicate my holiness. Malachi 1, from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name shall be great among the nations. And then Jesus, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Mark 13, this gospel will be proclaimed to all the nations. Acts 1.8, you shall be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. I could keep going. I could go back and give you more. I'm going to stop there. Do you get the point? God's plan, God's plan from beginning to end is that saving his people Israel was a light thing to do. His servant is sent to save the world, all peoples. The glorious gospel of Jesus Christ is for the world. It is meant to go global. And make no mistake, it will go global. That's a promise. Revelation 5 ushered into the throne room at the end of time, and the song that is sung is that people from every tribe, tongue, language, and nation are gathered around that that throne, purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. That is a reality that we are hurtling towards. It is inevitable. It is God's plan. It will be accomplished, and it's accomplished through his servant in Isaiah 49. That's the first one. God's plan is for his glorious gospel to go global. Now, something that we have to ask ourselves. You, pr- you might be asking yourself already, but if you're not, here's the question that I think we should be asking my- ourselves. Is I see that God's plan is for the gospel, for his salvation to go global. I can see that in the text that we're looking at today. I can see that in the Bible. I understand that. But what does this have to do with me, specifically? Well, these last two points both have to do with, with you, with me, with us. And this first one, God's plan is, so this is point number two, God's plan is for his glorious gospel to come to you. In Acts 13, you can turn over there if you want. We'll look at that. In Acts 13, uh, Paul and Barnabas are on a missionary journey. They go to the Jewish synagogues and they preach about Christ. Um, The people loved hearing it. Um, So this is towards the end of the chapter, actually. So Acts 13 is where I am. The people loved hearing what Paul and Barnabas were, sh- were sharing. They begged them, in verse 42, they begged them to come back and preach again the next Sabbath. So there was a, there was a weak gap there. And in the meantime, the word got out that these guys were going to come and preach. In verse 44, it tells us, so Acts 13, verse 44, tells us almost the whole city came out to hear Paul and Barnabas, what they had to say. But some jealous Jews squashed it, contradicting everything Paul said. So, Paul and Barnabas responded like this. So, I'm looking at Acts 13, if you want to look at it with me. Acts 13, verses 46 and 47. It was necessary, this is Paul talking, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so so the Lord has commanded us, saying, ah, pay attention, I have made you a light to, for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That is our text today. Paul specifically quotes it here. Paul quotes the text, and he says it to the Jews that are in the crowd who are opposing his message. Here's what he says. We spoke God's word to you. We fulfilled our responsibility. Now God has commanded us. We go to the nations, to the ends of the world, And then here's what happened, verse 48. 
And when the Gentiles heard this, you could translate Gentiles as nations, by the way. And when the nations heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Okay. A vast majority of us in this room are almost certainly Gentiles. I'm just going to go out on a limb and just say that. Maybe some of you aren't. Congrats. Um, Gentiles are non-Jews. God's plan from the beginning of time was for you to hear God's word in the gospel and be saved. He wanted you. God appointed you for eternal life. That's what it says in verse 48. Think about that for yourself. Just receive that in this moment. How did you hear the gospel? Who told you? Maybe you're hearing it right now for the very first time. Or maybe you've heard it a whole lot, but it's never really penetrated your heart and it needs to. How did you hear about salvation that comes in the name of Christ? When did you believe? God's plan from eternity past was to bring you into his family. Isn't that amazing? How do you respond to that? How ought we respond to that? Let me make a verse 48 suggestion. Rejoice and glorify the word of the Lord. Rejoice. If you are a child of God this morning, if you have been saved by faith, by the grace of Jesus Christ, by faith in him, rejoice. Glorify that that word has come to you. You who once were far off have been brought near. Seems right to quote a hymn. Long my my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin in nature's night. Thine eye, God's eye, diffused a quickening ray. The gospel came. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amazing love, how can it be, that thou, my God, would die for me. That's rejoicing, rejoicing in the gospel. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you can say, no matter what comes your way, that it is well with your soul. The word of God has come to you. You who were far away, you were were outside of the people of Israel. He has brought you in. Praise the Lord. It's come to you. It was too light a thing for Jesus just to save Israel. He came to save you too. Praise the Lord. Now don't miss the other part of Paul and Barnabas' message in Acts 13. And that's part three. That's point number three. God's plan is for his glorious gospel to shine through you. That's one of the things that, this, that chapter 49 is talking about, being a light to the nations. So here's my question for you. And I was, I was actually talking to Mike. A lot of times I try out my sermons on like Tuesday or Thursday with my older kids. And I was asking them this question. So here's the question I asked them. I'm going to ask you the same one. How is the prophecy of Jesus being a light to the Gentiles fulfilled now. Jesus lived a perfect life. He glorified God to the very end. He died on a Roman cross. He rose from the dead, vindicating, remember, vindicating his sacrifice, proving him to be the Lord of life. And then, did he go and preach to everybody? What did he do? 
He sent his spirit, right, to his people, and he sent them to the world. That's how the prophecy of Isaiah 49 is being fulfilled. Look, at, look with me again at Acts 13, verse 47. This is what Paul is saying. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. In Isaiah, our passage today, God is clearly talking to Jesus, right? But here in Acts, the command given to Jesus is now ours. You are so closely associated, brother or sister, fellow Christian, you are so closely associated with Jesus, your Savior, that now you are a light to the Gentiles. You are a light to the nations. That is exactly what Paul is saying here. It is exactly what post-Pentecost Holy Spirit-driven ministry means. The Holy Spirit came, and you carry Christ in you through the power of the Holy Spirit to the world. God's plan is for his glorious gospel to shine through you to the ends of the earth. Do you see that? Okay, so what does that look like? What does that look like for the source in 2023, right here, right now? What does it look like for you to be a light to the Gentiles in 2023? Four ways. Real quick, I'm just going to hit them real quick. I know we're running short on time. One, pray. Pray. I hope you guys pray for the nations. My family and I, we served as missionaries in China for nearly a decade. Um, I would often sense while I was in China that I'm being carried along by the prayers of God's people. Whether he was ordering my steps or having me meet somebody that I needed or I was encountering difficulty and somehow the Lord would make a way, he provided. Romans 15.20 is a very well-known missionary verse where Paul says this. I'll I'll just read it for you. Romans 15.20 says, Paul's talking and he says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. Paul wants to take the gospel to the nations, to people who haven't heard about Jesus. But can't neglect that awesome missionary call by forgetting verse 30, which says, I appeal to you, brothers. So Paul's talking to the churches. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me, strive together with me in my missionary journey in carrying the gospel to the nations by what? Strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Paul's saying we strive together in missionary work. How? He's out there on the front lines preaching the gospel. We are here praying for him. Through prayers, we engage in being a light to the nations. I don't want that to be a burden either. Anytime a pastor starts to talk about prayer evangelism, everybody starts to get cringy, feel guilty. That's not what I'm trying to do. You might be thinking about, you know, just what it's going to take for you to get through today. Um, What I hope you can see is you can get up on the balcony and you can see freshly maybe, even today, that Jesus' global victory over sin and death sets you free and gives you a balcony view to view your problems in light of God's global glory. You'll find your, um, if you pray for the nations, that your global-sized prayers put those smaller day-to-day problems in proper perspective. Not to try to minimize any kind of difficulties that you're facing because there's real stuff out there that's really, really difficult, but it does shed fresh light on them. Plus, our Father delights to answer those prayers. So first one is pray. Second one, send. I imagine you guys are probably already doing this in some way. 
Um, let me encourage you with this. Uh, developing strong relationships with missionaries is win-win, right? You, experiencing, you experience the blessing of, of giving and supporting and helping and encouraging people who are taking the gospel global, and you, and you also get to hear from them about what God is doing in other places. It expands your mind and your heart for what God's do, doing in the world. And for the missionary, they get the, to, to experience that partnership that Paul is talking about in, uh, in Romans 15 and also what uh, the Apostle John talks about in 3 John, of all the places, but partners in the work. Third, and we're going fast, go. Go to the nations. Some of you, God may be speaking to about going to the nations. And I'll just tell you this. It's incredibly difficult. It's going to cost you more than you realize. You'll be lonely. You'll be an outsider. And Christ is completely worthy. Fourth, and this is one I, I just wanted to hit real quick. Welcome. So pray, send, go, welcome. Okay? You probably already recognize this, but your community here, Plainfield surrounding community, it's full of people from all over the world. Um, I lived in, when I lived in China, the majority of my time I spent in a heavily Muslim area. So I worked with Muslims in China. Um, if you came to visit me in my city, what I would do is I'd get you into my SUV and we would roll outside of the city where it would be bleak. It's desert. And not desert with sand, but desert with dust. And as we'd roll outside of the city, dotting the horizon, you would see these little towers shooting up. One, and then another, and then another as we drove. Each one of those towers is a prayer tower, a mosque. And those mosques are located in villages of 10,000 people, 20,000 people, 30,000 people, or so. Every village, no Christians, no church, no witness, no nothing. All apart from Christ. They need a witness. They need someone to tell them. But here's what, I'm, here's what I'm trying to say. Is those people from those places, in unprecedented numbers, and for whatever reason, in the mind of God and his wisdom and counsel, they're coming now to this country. We have Afghans and Chinese Muslims and uh, people from all over the world flocking to this country for all kinds of different reasons. They're your neighbors. He's bringing the nations to us. The nations that he talked about in Isaiah 49 are coming to us. So how do you welcome well? Do you have to be like incredibly culturally sensitive and be, have like a PhD in you know, cross-cultural-ness? No, just an open door. A willingness to learn and to ask questions, a heart full of love, which you've been given by the Holy Spirit who's been put into your heart. So pray, send, go, welcome. God's plan is for his glorious gospel to shine through you. I'm going to close with this story. Just kind of paint a little picture of what it might be like for you. I heard about this from a, a friend of mine who's a missionary in Indianapolis. So he welcomes uh, people from all over the world, uh, mostly Saudi Arabians, um, but this man was from Libya. And when he came to his, uh, to his area and started to get connected with the ministry that he was doing, um, he, he came to get surgery. He had been injured during a war and in his country, and he had come to the United States to get life-saving surgery. Um, he told everyone that he was an innocent bystander, and the rocket had gone off, and it had injured him pretty badly. 
So my friend um, was getting to know him, and uh, one day, the FBI showed up at this guy's house and stormed the house and took him off to the federal penitentiary. Uh, what it turns out is that this man from Libya was a, not an innocent bystander, but he was actually part of a, a, a terrorist group in his home country and was actually in, actively engaged in the fighting, and now he was going to be in prison for the foreseeable future. But several weeks prior to that, my friend had begun reading the Bible with him, telling him about the light of the nations, salvation that comes through the name of Jesus Christ. And that man, in his jail cell, in that federal prison, began to read the Bible on his own, and he came to faith in Jesus Christ. And the Libyans of that community of Indianapolis came to the jail to visit him. And when he revealed to him to them that he had become a Christian, they were raging angry, demanding that he stop following Jesus, turn away from him and come back to Islam. And he told them, I have never been so free. He is the light of the nations. He came for you. He saved you. And now he wants to shine through you. Let's pray. Lord, you've given us such a calling, such a privilege, and it's because you are such a, such a beautiful Savior. We love you, Jesus. We're so thankful for the gospel. We're so thankful that you truly have set us free from sin and death. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to get on the balcony and see the bigger picture of your work in the world. Help us, Lord, in our little small ways, by the power of the Spirit, to take part in what you're doing globally. In Jesus' name, amen.